How is everybody doing this Friday afternoon? Wow, what a great Friday it is. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are listening. This is the inaugural episode of the Howie Burner Podcast. Uh, I'm looking to do this probably once a week. Uh, Maybe not through training camp, but after every Eagles game or major Philly sports event. uh, I'll probably be on here breaking down what I saw. uh, Maybe I have an opinion different to yours, but that's for you to decide. This is my place, my place to state my opinions, kind of like my Twitter, uh, which you can follow at HowieBurner on Twitter. We have a lot of fun over there, you know, a lot of Howie memes. But my goal for today is to sort of take a look at the Eagles roster and break it down piece by piece and the expectations I have for each position group going into the season. So... Without any further ado, we're going to get right into this here. Starting at my favorite position, most people's favorite position, the quarterback. Now, coming into this season, obviously, we had the massive trade where the Eagles traded away Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a second-round pick, which could eventually be a first-round pick if Carson plays the right amount of snaps. But we will see how that ends up. We're not worried about Carson anymore here. We are focusing on our quarterback situation. So the presumptive quarterback one is Jalen Hurts. Now, I had the pleasure of watching Jalen Hurts uh, in college at Oklahoma. And once he transferred there, it was a mixed bag, if you will. Uh, Obviously, you know, this isn't college anymore, so the things are going to be different. But what I saw out of Jalen in college sort of led to some of his issues in the NFL as well. Now, the pluses. Obviously, number one, right off the bat, his mobility. He is a fantastic runner with the football. Deceptive speed, if I do say so. You know, he you might be caught off side, you know, caught a little call off guard by me saying that, but when you watch him run, you know, everybody expects him to be fast, but when you watch him run, he does not look like he's moving as fast as he is. He's got some serious wheels and a long, long stride. He can really cover some ground when he turns it upfield. And you saw it multiple times against, you know, the Packers, uh, the Saints, especially in the Saints game. He was eating Cameron Jordan alive, uh, running to the outside. It, it was really fun to watch watching him be able to turn the corner against guys that you know usually don't give up the edge too much to quarterbacks Cameron Jordan's an experienced player he knows how to cut off the edge Uh, but Jalen's speed is is kind of deceptive now the second plus with Jalen is obviously he is a fantastic person Uh, I've met the guy uh, couldn't have been nicer you know his work ethic is top notch you're not going to find a harder worker than him he's going to you know at their Oklahoma games he would go into the weight room and just work out because he thought he needed to play better I watched Oklahoma absolutely demolish UCLA in week two of 2019 and win by almost 40 points and he wasn't satisfied he he left some throws on the table wasn't happy got back to work after a game in the away locker room was lifting weights. It was, you know, he's an easy kid to root for. Uh, there's a lot to like with Jalen, personality-wise. Some of the stuff he does well. His arm talent is average. I'll give him average 
arm talent. You know, he has a better arm than I thought uh, going into the season, watching him in Oklahoma. You know, he could throw the ball downfield, but I don't know if it's his throwing motion or what. The ball just doesn't zip out of his hand. It, it'll get there. You know, he could throw it pretty far down the field. Just doesn't get there in a hurry. And I know Nick Sirianni talked about, you know, Jalen having a rather compact throwing motion. And I'm a little confused on where he's getting that from because to me, Jalen's throwing motion is actually kind of a longer version of Russell Wilson's kind of, you know, Russell Wilson kind of has a loopy throwing motion and it allows him to, you know, really get some really nice touch on his passes. Russell Wilson might be the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Uh, you know, there's a few other guys up there, but to me, the way Russell Wilson can drop a ball in the bucket is incredible. And Jalen's throwing motion reminds me of his a little bit. Uh, the one throw that I can point to with that, you know, being able to drop into the bucket is against the Cardinals. The the throw down the sideline uh, to Alshon Jeffrey against Patrick Peterson. What, what an incredible throw that was. I mean, he used Alshon Jeffrey's size to his advantage and dropped it right into the bucket. It was a fantastic throw. Uh, but the throwing motion does take some time. There's a little bit more of a wind-up to it. It's not the fastest throwing motion. Uh, and that can get him into trouble sometimes being late on some throws across the field uh, or timing routes. You saw that a few times where just some throws are just a hair late just because the ball took so long to get there. Even though he started to throw at the right time, it, I, I think the throwing motion is just a hair too slow maybe he improved that this this summer i mean that's that's something that's you know not impossible to improve on and if he improves on that that can improve his game a lot actually now for some of the negatives um his decision making under pressure is sometimes it'll be really really good i mean like really good he shows his maturity his maturity knows where to throw the ball uh, against the saints his first touchdown uh, the, the back shoulder throw to Alshon Jeffrey with a man in his face. I mean, you can't ask for a better decision than that. I mean, and the throw was incredible as well. But sometimes he will panic. Um, he's not, you know, sort of, you know, when Carson got hit a lot, he started getting happy feet in the pocket and just danced around a la, you know, kind of what Baker Mayfield does, except just without any of the tact that Baker Mayfield has when he dances around in the pocket and so it just kind of ended up looking like Carson looking like a deer in headlights um but you know Jalen doesn't really run and doesn't look panicked when he runs but sometimes he'll just throw a ball where you're like why why'd you throw that you know, uh, some of the throws against the Cowboys um a few of his interceptions I can't remember them off the top of my head um in the future, I'll bring up film so I can sort of watch it while I'm doing this, or I'll watch film right before, but this being the inaugural episode, I'm just kind of firing from the hip here. But you just, sometimes you're not quite sure what he's looking at. And that's, you know, he's a rookie. Those mistakes are going to get made. You can't blame him too, too much for it. But it's something I saw a lot in college as well. If you go back and watch the LSU game uh, against Oklahoma in the in the playoff semifinal, he just looked hopelessly outmatched against whatever LSU was throwing against him. And he's not, you know, a guy who's who can't read defenses. He absolutely can. But when he gets panicked and flustered, sometimes that goes out the window and he just kind of reverts to Alabama Jalen Hurts, who is a one-read-and-run quarterback. Or if that one reads that open and he doesn't want to run, 
he'll force a throw, may get caught, may get picked off. You know, it's it's not the prettiest thing. Again, he's a rookie. That's going to happen. Overall, going into this season, I had some pretty high hopes for Jalen. Um, I'm not the biggest Jalen Hurts fan as a quarterback. Huge fan of him as a person, especially because, you know, went to my alma mater, Oklahoma. Uh, it's, it's hard not to root for the guy, but I don't know. I don't know what, what to expect out of him this year. Uh, you know, a lot of quarterback success is dependent on the team around you as well. And so uh, I think if the skill position guys and the offensive line can play better than they were at the end of the season, obviously he's going to look better. Um, but all in all, I wouldn't place too high expectations on him yet. You know, this is, essentially, this is his rookie year. He's learning a new offense. He only started a few games last year. Treat this as Jalen Hurts' rookie year in the NFL. Uh, you know, if he stinks up the joint, obviously, yeah, you move on. But there's some promising things. You know, the Eagles are sitting at 6-11 and 11 at the end of the year. You know, he's got a posit- decently positive touchdown-interception ratio, near 3,000, a little over 3,000 yards. You know, I'd, I'd give him another year at that point. Uh, just sort of see how his development can mature. I will say, though, I think Nick Sirianni's offense, based on what I've seen, should help him out a lot. A lot of easy throws, stuff over the middle, uh, receivers running across the field, which is a quarterback's best friend. I would like to see, excuse me one second, some concept of mesh being run. Jalen's very proficient at that after running it at Oklahoma a lot. I think that would benefit the players that the offense has. And, you know, looking forward, like I said, we'll see. We'll see how this season goes. Now, moving on to the backup, we have Joe Flacco. Uh, obviously, we don't have Jamie Newman on here anymore. The Eagles just released him the other day. Uh, why exactly? I'm not entirely sure. I haven't been paying too much attention to mini camp notes. Uh, maybe he just wasn't playing well. Uh, you know, undrafted free agent. I know a lot of people get hyped up about undrafted free agents a lot of the time. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, Jamie Newman probably wasn't going to be a contributor for this team ever at any point. So it's, you know, an open roster spot now for someone who maybe can't be. At backup, we have Joe Flacco. And <laughs> uh, what to say about Joe Flacco? Oh, man. What happened to him? I mean, after being drafted by... Baltimore going to a Super Bowl, you know, sort of buoyed by the defense. He just kind of... He's a poor man's Matt Ryan. And by poor man's, I mean very poor man's Matt Ryan. I would rather have Josh McCown back as the Eagles backup than Joe Flacco. Uh, However, you know, I know they paid him a decent amount of money to be a backup. It's not the best thing i'm not entirely sure how his game fits the offense although i will say he kind of has alex smith syndrome where he has an arm and can throw it down the field but he will take check down after check down after check down after check down and it's nauseating (laughs) i mean i guess it's a safe playing style but recently he, he has not played well um you know his touchdown interception ratio if i could pull that up real quick has not been good. You would think for a guy who started, you know, multiple years in the NFL, he'd be—he's always been a high interception throwing guy, never throwing under, you know, 
10 in the season that he's fully started, and that was 2012. Uh, you know, his interceptions by year go from 2008 to 2020. 12, 12, 10, 12, 10, 22 in 2013 with a negative touchdown interception ratio. 12, 12, 15, 13, and then once he became a backup in 2018, uh, after he, you know, I believe he got injured, Lamar Jackson took over. Uh, six and then five with the Broncos and three with the Jets. Now I will say he had six passing touchdowns and three picks last year for the Jets, but only completed fifty five percent of his passes, which is quite lackluster. Uh, I guess the best thing I have to say about Flacco is hopefully he never sees the field. At this point in his career, what you see is what you get, and there's no sort of changing who he is as a player at this point and yeah hopefully he just never sees the field that would be the best case scenario uh moving on the running back well the main man miles sanders is back and if he can stay healthy this year he should have a huge year just looking at what sirianni has done with running backs in the past uh jonathan taylor uh naheem hines i know they have had Frank Gore was productive in Indy. I'm not entirely sure if uh, he was there at that time. I don't think so, though. Um, The running back position in Indy is a position that when they're hot, they'll get touches. And that's the difference between Sirianni and what Doug Peterson was doing, where Sanders would get six, seven touches a game, but then one of those would be an 80-yard run and then never get the ball again. It was one of the most annoying things I've ever experienced in my life watching that offense last year. But, you know, Miles has that game-changing ability where he can just sort of flip the game on its head at any time. He's a threat. To, he's a home run hitter. Sometimes you'll lose yardage, you know, bouncing. He's try, when he tries to bounce runs, uh, a la LaShawn McCoy, you live with some of the negative runs, but you you'll live with it because... Once or twice, one of those runs could go for a really long game. And I will say, I think he's a better power runner than McCoy was. Uh, you see him run between the tackles pretty well. He's quick between the gaps. Gets upfield and, until he bounces and tries to dance a little bit. But hopefully the coaching fixes that there. But yeah, Miles Sanders should have a... I fully expect Miles Sanders, if you can see he'll be over 1,000 yards this year. And he might have close to, you know, four or 500 yards receiving as well. I think he's that good of a player. I know he had a down year receiving last year. But, you know, just get on the jugs machine. Hands are easy to work on. He'll be fine. Now, at running back two, there's sort of a log jam. It's going to be interesting to see how this running back position really plays out. Uh, Some guys that I think are, I think the two guys who are a lock to make the roster behind Sanders is Boston Scott, who is a personal favorite player of mine. I mean, I, I really can't explain why. I just love Boston Scott. You know, the little five seven dude out there running around against a bunch of giants, and he's just out there having fun. I mean, watching him play is he's electric. He he's a home run hitter as well. Catches the ball extremely well. Runs between the tackles better than you would expect for a guy his size. It's sometimes, you know, pass protection is not his strength, but he brings a lot a la Darren Sproles. If, you know, maybe not as explosive, but I like what he adds to this offense as a receiving back. You don't need to play him a lot. You know, bring him in for a few third downs, and 
you know, you get some clutch first downs out of those receiving. Uh, and, you know, you saw the game-winning touchdown he had from Carson Wentz against the Giants. I mean, what a throw, what a catch that was. But he always seems to, you know, show up in big-time moments when you need him. So I think he's a lock. And the other guy who's a lock is draft pick Kenneth Gainwell. And from what I've heard, this dude is explosive. That seems to be the theme with this running back room is explosive. Uh, Duke can hit home runs, a little undersized again, uh, catches the ball pretty well, uh, runs again with more power than you'd expect for a guy his size. Might not contribute early, but it, you, I could see the the offense trying to manufacture touches for him just to sort of make use of his explosiveness. Expect him to be on the field, you know, four or five times a game just to see what happens. Uh, unless, of course, he gets pushed down the depth chart, poor play, whatever. He's a rookie. It's going to happen. Now, some of the other guys on here, personally, I, I don't think it's worth mentioning Jason Huntley, uh, Hollyfield, Adrian Killens. They're gone. I don't think there's any chance those guys make the roster. Maybe one or two of them can find practice squad. Hollyfield, honestly, at this point, from what I've heard about the guy, it seems like he's best suited if you were to switch to fullback. I know the fullback isn't heavily used in the NFL anymore, but personally, I'm a big fan of still using fullbacks. You know, watching Oklahoma, they get this notion that they're an air raid offense. And they're really not. They run the ball more than 50% of the time, and they use a lot of play-action stuff throwing to the fullback. And it always fools defenses. And I'm not entirely sure why more uh, offenses in the NFL have picked up on that and used it. You can get an athletic fullback. They don't even have to be crazy athletic. You know, runs 4-8, But if he can sneak behind linebackers, that's an easy 20-yard completion. And I'm not entirely sure why more offenses don't make use of that. So I think that might be where he's best suited in the future, but I digress. Now, for the what I would assume would be one of the final running back spots, it's between Carrion Johnson and Jordan Howard, two very similar players, downhill runners, between the tackles, powerful guys. I think Carrion's a little bit more versatile than Jordan and a little bit more explosive, although he does have some injury histories. Jordan Howard just kind of faded away. I'm not entirely sure if it's just the way the Eagles offense used him how Miami used him. I know Miami just doesn't run the ball very well down there. But he, he, after such a hot start to his career in in uh, Chicago, coming to Philly, started off the season really hot uh, two years ago. And then kind of fading off after he got injured, never really seen the field after that. You know, the way the previous coaching staff handled injuries was so odd to me we never clearly got a real picture of you know is a guy day-to-day or is it you know a two-month-long injury because that's what it turned into which is you know annoying from a fan standpoint but it sucks for the player as well because they had this idea that you know okay I'm listed as day-to-day maybe there's a chance I can get back um though I'm sure our dreaded medical staff hopefully you know indicated some level of hey you probably won't be but uh, all in all, I think probably Johnson might win that. Uh, maybe you keep four running backs. It's tough to tell. Um, so personally, I think the depth chart will be Sanders, Scott, Gainwell, Johnson. And maybe they only keep three. 
And if that's the case, Howard and Johnson are both out. And then you kind of have a small backfield where Miles Sanders is your main power back. And I'm not entirely sure how fans will feel about that. You know, Sanders isn't the best power back, but he, but he can get it done. Uh, he has the ability to get skinny. But I know some guys would like, you know, a bigger guy like Howard or on Johnson to really punch that ball in there. Uh, moving to wide receiver. <laughs> the much maligned position for the Eagles recently. Obviously, first-round pick Devontae Smith is top of the depth chart. Silky smooth route runner. Uh, The guy can make all the catches. Won't burn, burn you deep, but has plenty of speed to get even and get behind defenders. I'm very excited about his ability to extend for catches. I don't care about his frame. Okay, the dude played in the SEC with a bunch of big guys. He didn't get hurt. He's fine. I'm not worried about his frame one bit. He's... I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of, and I can't really put my finger on it. His silky smooth kind of route running reminds me of a Michael Thomas in that aspect. Although he has more speed than Michael Thomas, gets down the field a lot more. His hands are incredible. I mean, he's got incredible hands. I know Alabama used him as a punt returner a little bit. I don't think he'll be returning punts for the Eagles. That'll probably go to someone like Jalen Reger, maybe a Kenneth Gamewell, Boston Scott, someone like that. So very excited for Devontae Smith. Should be an offensive rookie of the year candidate at the end of the year if everything pans out. Um, But at this point, you know, I know Eagles are much maligned with sort of taking Jalen Reger over Justin Jefferson and watching the season Justin Jefferson had. Justin Jefferson had a hell of a season, and to put those expectations on uh, Devontae would be unfair. You know, I think if we get a solid seven, 800 yards and a few touchdowns out of Rager this year, that's a fantastic rookie season that nobody can really complain with, right? I mean, he's a rookie coming in and learning the offense, learning how to play in the NFL. I think that's more than productive rookie year for a guy like him. Wide receiver two. Now, this is where things can get interesting because the Eagles could go small here or what I want them to do and what I hope they do and who I hope takes this job and really runs with it is Travis Fulcom. You know, this, the sensation that broke out halfway through the year dealt with injuries towards the end of the year, kind of fell off once Alshon Jeffrey came back. Wide receiver coach said that he has it. You know, you just watch the guy. He, he's a Good route runner. Hands sometimes are a little shaky with some concentration catches. But all in all, he does a lot of good stuff you like at a wide receiver. Takes contact. Uh, will go up and get balls. Makes tough catches. I really like Travis Fulcom's game. A lot. And I think he should be the number two wide receiver. And with that, putting Jalen Rager in the slot should help Rager out a lot because he's on str- smaller players potentially with linebackers, which will allow him to use his speed and get down the field, and hopefully he can stay healthy and make a massive improvement over last year. Uh, unfortunately, that does push guys like Greg Ward down. I know, uh, you know, Greg Ward just kind of does every nothing well, everything right is the best way to describe Greg Ward. Uh, you need a clutch, you know, third down and three catch, He'll be that guy. Uh, He's not really much more than that, though. Now, the offensive line, 
great to have the entire offensive line back. I mean, <laughs> uh, starting at right tackle, Lane's back, obviously. Uh, Brandon Brooks coming back. Apparently, he looks fantastic, looks fast, which is great. Jason Kelsey back. How much does he have left in the tank? Hopefully enough to last the season, but he should be okay. Not really big injury history, so I'm not too concerned. Now, left guard and left tackle is where it gets interesting. The Eagles drafted Landon Dickerson in the second round. And really, to be a center and to be the, the heir apparent to uh, Jason Kelsey. Now, if he impresses enough, I would not be surprised to see the Eagles start him over Isaac Sayamalo. Because Sayamalo, again, is just like Greg Ward, a guy who does things well, nothing great, uh, and can, can be replaced. Um... Although he was like the one person in the offensive line who didn't, or did he get injured? No, he did get injured. Basically, the entire offensive line got injured last year. Um, so I think Dickerson really has a, a decent chance to take that spot uh, going into the season if he is healthy and can play well. Left tackle. Uh, this step chart that I'm looking at on ourlads.com has Andre Dillard listed as the number one left tackle. I Disagree with that. I think it'll be Jordan Mailata. He played well last season, played really well last season. Still has some things to clean up, but he's learning. He's come a long way since he came into the NFL. Uh, I think he more than earned that starting left tackle spot. Andre Dillard just, it's such a shame, you know, they took him the first overall pick. If he doesn't win this battle, I'd like to see them use him as trade bait, maybe get a third, fourth round pick out of it. Just something to mitigate that. Uh, it might be a miss. Maybe he's maybe maybe he's better than we think. Uh, I I hope he's better than we think. Maybe he'll play well this spring into the summer and take that job. But if he does, fantastic. So with that, we're gonna move up to tight end. And boy, do we have some stuff to talk about here. What are the Eagles gonna do with Zach Ertz? Do you release him? Do you trade him? Uh, Personally, I think you have to trade him. Like a team like Carolina, uh, Buffalo. Trying to think who else here. Jacksonville. A lot of teams could use a tight end of Zachary's caliber, and he doesn't seem like he wants to be here anymore. Um, You know, he just looked injured last year. Looked injured. Looked. He's never the fastest guy. He just looks slow. Uh, the hands weren't there like usual, the ability to get open. Looked disinterested at times. Uh, Carson threw a few interceptions throwing to Ertz where he just did not look like he wanted to put his body on the line for a catch. And maybe it's because he's injured. So I'm not going to, I don't know. I'm going to wait for more to come out with that and see sort of what comes from that. Tight end two, who will probably end up being tight end one, is Dallas Goddard. Uh, Dallas does a lot of things you like. He kind of gets screwed by penalties a lot. Uh, it's, it's kind of a shame, but big physical guy, blocked well, runs well. Hands can get a little iffy at times, um, but what he does catch the ball, he's a he has the opportunity to be a really good tight end. Now behind him, <laughs> the Eagles have an absolute log jam. Uh, Jason Kroon, Caleb Wilson, Hakeem Butler, Jack Stoll and Tyree Jackson, I don't really care who comes out of that. You'll probably want a blocking guy there uh, just for extra blocking. So I'm not entirely sure. It might be Kroom. Kroom seems like he might be the biggest guy out of that. So it might be him who comes out of there. 
Moving on to the defense. Starting at defensive end, on the right side, obviously we have Derek Barnett, who has been good, not great in his Eagles tenure, and really faces some challenges behind him with Josh Sweat. Sweat played very well in limited time last year. Uh, was one of the most productive pass rushers in the NFL when he was on the field. Undersized, doesn't play the run well, but his speed and quickness allows him to be just a top pass rusher. I mean, if he can put it all together and stay healthy, Josh Sweat can be such a good player. But Barnett... um. You know, it seems like he's never reached the highs that he reached his rookie year. He, it, it, he hasn't put it all together. It hasn't been exactly what they expect. He's been a solid player. I'm not trying to say he hasn't been. Solid but replaceable, in my opinion. Now, they did add Ryan Kerrigan recently, noted Eagles killer. And, you know, I think he'll function a lot like Chris Long, where he will come in in situational pass rush situations, and all his, all he will be tasked with doing is getting to the quarterback, and I love it. He can teach the younger players, you know, his wealth of experience, still a productive pass rusher. If he can stay healthy, I think it's a great addition to this team. And really, the defensive line on this team is always going to be deep. Always. You know, you look at defensive tackle, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, obviously Fletcher's Number two defensive tackle behind Aaron Donald. Javon really turned it up towards the end of the season after he got healthy. Looking to see more of that this season. Behind him, we have Milton Williams, the third-round pick of the Eagles, who really looks like a pretty explosive pass rusher. I'm excited to see him. And then Hassan Ridgeway, who feels like has been on this team for ages at this point. I mean, forever. Just as a rotational pass rusher, he's solid. Decent enough, does his job. I'll take it. Uh, the other guys, you know, T.Y. McGill, sixth-round pick Marlon. I'm going to butcher that name, so I'm not even going to attempt to say it. Marlon T., we'll go with that. Um, they face more of an uphill battle. Um, you know, I understand he was a draft pick, but I just think it's... The defensive tackle position is so deep that I'm not entirely sure how many of these guys are going to keep. Uh, Willie Henry and Wakerum Williams are not making this roster unless they really, really show out. Now, <laughs> the worst position on this defense last year was linebacker. And boy, do we all know how bad the linebacker position was thank god nate gary is gone now the starting linebackers this season at the moment listed on here are Jannard avery tj edwards and alex singleton that's crap that i mean that's a horrible lineup i think it'll be personally i think avery will surprise I think he could keep that starting outside linebacker role if he can improve in pass coverage. He's a decent pass rusher, and I'm surprised they haven't used him more. But I think it'll be Avery, Alex Singleton, and Eric Wilson. I mean, I don't understand how you can't start Eric Wilson. He's a productive linebacker, covers well, tackles decently, does everything you need to do. Solid pickup for the Eagles in free agency. Now behind them, uh, you have 
Last year's sixth-round pick, Sean Bradley. Uh, Third-round pick, Davion Taylor, who was raw as a product. I'm not entirely sure how he's developing. Has all the tools you would like to see in a linebacker. Just need to see if he can put it all together. Other than that, Patrick Johnson, seventh-round pick. Good pass rusher. I'm surprised they got him. He seems like he could be a monster uh, on blitzes. And I wouldn't be surprised if they even try in the future uh, to bulk him up and move him to the defensive end. Would not surprise me. Now, moving on the corner. Oh, boy. What to do behind Darius Slay. Darius Slay is a very good corner. Don't let what you see on Twitter get it twisted. He's a very good corner. Yes, he struggled against DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I, I mean, he's a, DK is a freak of nature. DeAndre Hopkins has some of the best hands, if not the best hands in the NFL. Every, everyone else, Slay played terrific. No complaints against Darius Slay whatsoever. Now, at right cornerback, right now, I'm not entirely sure what you do there. Uh, I know there's an open competition between Maddox, Craig James, you got Zach McPherson, Jaquet. It's it's not a very appealing lineup, although I'm higher on Avante Maddox than most. I like what I saw from his rookie year. Very fluid, moves well, fast, good ball skills. I think Jim Schwartz's scheme is to blame for a lot of his and Slay's failures last year. Um, although I do think Maddox projects more as a nickel corner, free safety type uh, he played well at free safety his rookie year, really, really well. But I think his future is at nickel. Um, so that leaves you with, you know, Zek, who's also more of a nickel type, unfortunately. Craig James and Jaquette. And unfortunately, none of those are appealing. Uh, based on their play last year, I mean, horrendous. Uh, you hope that they will go out and sign someone like a Steven Nelson. Uh, maybe swing a trade for someone... The cornerback position is going to probably be the first-round pick next year if they don't go quarterback. I don't know how it can't be. You have to address the corner position next year because behind Darius, who's getting older, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. So moving on to safety at number one. Strong safety. Uh, This has Anthony Harris listed as a strong safety. I think he'll play more of a free safety role, which was... What Rodney McLeod played, I think Rodney will move over to the strong safety. His game fits a strong safety role. He's a solid tackler, hits hard. I know he's a smaller guy. I think he can survive that strong safety if he's healthy. Uh, Marcus Epps still on the roster, decent backup. Kayvon Wallace is interesting as I think they'll find ways to get him on the field. Whether it's a dime, using him sort of as the Malcolm Jenkins type, he'll find a way onto the field, and I'm excited to see how he grows in the future. I know they signed Andrew Adams. He's not a lock to make the roster. Elijah Riley, not a lock. Other than that, there's not anyone else to really cover here who has a chance. I really hope Rodney McLeod comes back and gets healthy. I really like Rodney's game a lot ever since we signed him. He's a solid player, very solid player. And, you know, his presence there, well, out of veteran presence in that backfield with Slay and Harris and whoever young guy has to step in will learn a lot from him. Moving on to the special teams. At kicker, still have Jake Elliott, who has disappointed in the last few seasons, really kind of fallen off, unfortunately. Uh, you know, feel good story of 2017 aside from the Super Bowl. Uh, 
but since then has just struggled on routine kicks, but has the ability to make anything over 50. But if it's less than 50, he flip a coin. Uh, I don't understand it, uh, but right now he's going in un- unchallenged as a kicker. Now, I was surprised when the Eagles let go of... Um, Oh man, his name is me. our former punter. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get slandered in the comments or whatever, but I swear I know what his name is just escaping me at the moment. Uh, but now we have Aaron Sipos. No clue who this guy is. It's a punter. As long as he doesn't suck and do his job, I'll take it. Long stacker, Rick Lovato, solid. Basically the next John Dorn boss. He'll be here for a long, long time as long as he continues to play well. From that, there's not really anything else more to cover. Uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick look at the, the coaching staff. Head coach Nick Sirianni. I know he got flamed for his press conference, whatever. I don't give a shit. Excuse the language. I don't care. He, When you listen to the guy talk and you get past the excitement and the sort of boyish attitude... The dude knows football, and that's all that matters. He's all about putting players in good matchups, making sure the team knows what they're doing, and as long as he can execute the on-field stuff as well, calling timeouts, challenges, stuff like that, I'm all for it. He's shown he could be a good play caller. I just I, I don't understand the Sirianni hate already. Let the dude coach a season before you, know, you judge him based on a few interviews. Shane Stein, uh, not really sure. It seems like a, a decent hire. Obviously, his, his styles match with Sirianni, so a, a good fit there. I think his work with quarterbacks uh, should help Jalen. I think the offense will be, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of this offense. I'm excited to see what they'll do this year. Uh, defensively, Gannon, uh, I think he'll be a, a very good defensive coordinator. I like that it's hybrid. It'll adjust to what the offense is doing. It's not a set scheme. If they have to run 3-4 at times, they'll run 3-4. If they have to go 4-3, they'll do it. 3-3-5, they'll do it. 4-2-5, they'll do it. Whatever it needs to stop the offense, I like it. It's not just based cover to man all the time. And so with that, guys, that will conclude this inaugural episode. I hope you'll come back next week or whenever the next episode is uploaded. And I hope everyone has a fantastic day.